I am so glad you guys are here today. We are, as Lance said, on week three of our Slow Down series. It, I hope it has been as beneficial for you as it has been for me. I, I've loved this. Lance started us off talking about how our soul needs to slow down. Pastor Scott um, talked to us about Sabbath, how the importance of Sabbath, how it's something that God has established for us. I think it's something that we really misunderstand. We think we just have to sit around and stare at a wall. But actually, Sabbath is about enjoying what God has given us, enjoying the family that we have rather than looking at our watch and thinking about the next thing we have to do, enjoying the meal that we're eating without just inhaling it. Sabbath is a day to recognize our own limits and to be able to give that day to God. It's really important. And then today, we're going to talk about silence and solitude. I know, it's really exciting. Um, I, I'm, I, I can tell, you, it's just riveting and you're, you're really happy about doing this today. Lance already made you uncomfortable with just five seconds of silence. So if we're gonna talk about more than that today, I know you're really just thrilled. But I just wanna put it forth to you today that our culture really doesn't have a place for slow or Sabbath or silence or solitude. So really what this is, is us being rebels. Don't you guys want to be rebels? Yeah, I am a rule follower. I'm an extreme rule follower. I love when somebody tells me the boundaries, except when I don't. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when you're in a museum and they say, don't touch this picture, all I want to do is touch the picture. It's all I want to do when you tell me I can't do something. So if I'm telling you, you can't participate in silence and solitude, you can't participate in Sabbath, maybe that'll make you want to do it even more. So... We're going we're gonna to talk about it today, and I'm going to start with Jesus, because you can't argue with Jesus, right? Um, I, I know you might have a lot of objections today. You might think of all the reasons why you can't participate in silence and solitude. You might have little dictators in your house telling you what to do, um, or you might be in a season where you do have more time for it. You are living alone for whatever reason. You're an empty nester. But let me just say, regardless of the season of life, you can always find a reason why you can't, why you can't participate in this spiritual practice. So I would just ask, would you just have an open mind today with the things that I'm going to present to you, and then if you have objections, you can come up to me later and we can talk about them. How about that? Okay, let's try it this way. So we're going to start with Jesus, and Lance talked about Jesus in Mark chapter 1. We're going to go a little bit farther, and we're going to look at it in Mark chapter 6. Another example of this. So in Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30, it says, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So we have Jesus modeling this this need to, to get away. The disciples had just come from this time where they had gone out and they administered and they were tired. And he said, hey, let's go and rest. But they were interrupted by more need. So Jesus paused the plan to go off to this quiet place and, and he began teaching the people here. 
And this goes on to the story of the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. Have you ever heard this? There were just a few loaves and a few fish, some bread and fish, and there wasn't enough to feed everybody, but Jesus multiplied it. So there's this huge miracle that occurs where Jesus feeds people spiritually and physically. And then we pick up the story in verse 45. It says, immediately after this, the feeding of the people, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up to the hill, into the hills by himself to pray. So here is Jesus, our very best example. You know, he is God. He is the son of God. He is divine, but he is also the son of man. He understands the realities of our human body, what we face every day, and he showed us how we are to live our lives here on this earth with the realities of what we have in front of us, fully in communion with God and in recognition of our humanness. So the first thing we see in this story, it's our very first point today if you're taking notes, is that Jesus prioritized time with God. Jesus prioritized time with God. That's a really good first step with us. It said in verse 33, he said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He saw the need. He saw the priority. There were people all around them and there were all the things that were happening, but he knew his disciples needed to get away and he was modeling this for him. As Lance mentioned, that there was another example in Mark 1. There's another one here in uh, Luke 5. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. He saw the need all around him, but he prioritized time with his father. He's modeling it here for his disciples. Here, this is what we need to do. We need to get away, withdraw to a place away from the hustle and the bustle. Um, back in June of, of last year, I recognized I was at a place of just about burnout. You know what I'm talking about? When you have just given all you can give to everyone and you just don't have anything else left. And so um, I had been told about this monastery in, in Tulsa where you can stay, nuns, not monks. And so I, I, I set aside two whole days, guys. Whoa, look out, two whole days. I know you know, that is a lot. And I went and, and stayed there and made the priority, even though I had work things to do. I had to leave my husband behind. I had, you know, our list of a dozen things that we have to do. I set aside that time and I sacrificed that. And I'll tell you what, from the first hour that I was there, I put my things in my room and I went to a, the Vesper service, I think it was, and just hearing the... the the reading of scripture and the singing, I just felt my shoulders relax. And I just recognized that the pace of life had interrupted my relationship with God. Here I am, this is my job, is to have a relationship with God. And yet, I still had to fight for that time, set aside my entire ordinary life and go prioritize this time in order to actually hear God, to have some quiet. Jesus saw this. He had the hustle and bustle of life, and he recognized that nothing about our surroundings offers us an opportunity to rest 
or replenish or to be with God or to hear from God. So he prioritized time with his father. And why is it that we don't think we need to do the same? It's a heavy question. I may not be very funny today, I apologize. Why do we think we don't need to also set aside time to be alone with the Father? It's a great quote from Henry Nouwen. It says, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and listen to him. Those are some pretty big words. It's impossible to live a spiritual life. We don't take it seriously if. There is an invitation to us to set aside some time in our life to just be with God. You know, you can't hear someone speak if you don't listen. I don't know if you know this. This is actually this is a scientific fact. But have you ever been in a, in, a, in a busy restaurant? Let's say Frank and Lola's. Anybody ever been to Frank and Lola's? Lovely. Love it. Cannot hear someone speaking. I, I only go there if I don't want to talk to someone. If I just want to smile. I love great food, but I'm just going to have to smile the whole time. You know, when there's just all that background noise and you can't hear someone, that's, that's really what is happening in our lives. There is so much noise in our lives that we can't hear God speak to us. And, and we honestly think it's just our time period, it's technology, and sure, I mean, that has a lot to do with it, but, but this was true for Jesus, too. This has been true since the beginning of time. There's always noise if there are people around. And that's our point number two. Jesus not only prioritized time with God, Jesus lived in a noisy world. He understands what we face. He is not perfect. He didn't go into just this, you know, wonderful time where just everything went easy. It said here in the scripture, there were so many people coming and going that they didn't even have time to eat. Any mother or father of young children, you know what that's like. There's always something coming and going. You barely have time to eat. That's, it was a noisy world surrounding Jesus. I don't know about you, I've been practicing quiet in the month of January. I knew I was going to do this, so I kind of had to practice a little bit so I could, you know, have something to say. Again, this is, I am not great at this. We're learning this together. We're going on this journey together. But I've been practicing in my car and in the shower to just have quiet. I don't know about you, I always like to have a little something going on, right? Whether it's turn on the TV or I have a podcast or there's some music, so I get in the car, there's always something talking to me, even in the shower. I had gotten to this point where there was just never any not noise. Do you know what I mean? And so there's nothing spiritual about it. I'm just in my car, and I, I'm not even praying or really talking to God. I'm just practicing being okay with quiet. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes I'm three minutes in. I mean, let's be real. It's Bartlesville. I only have like an eight-minute drive. Sometimes I'm three minutes in, and I want to like, you know, crawl up the walls of my car. I can't take it. Three minutes. And I was, the other day I was like, I mean, nobody knows. You're the one who set this goal. No one will know if you turn on a podcast. Just go ahead, right? Mary, it had been three minutes. How can I not practice silence? And as I said, there's nothing spiritual about it. It was just a little bit of a detox for my brain just to get me a little more used to and a little more comfortable with quiet so that when I go in to my time with God, it doesn't feel quite so weird to not have something in the background. I, I really like the way Lance said there, God shows up most powerfully in moments of silence and quiet. Wow. And if that's true, 
And if we're avoiding any opportunity for silence or quiet, is it possible that we're missing out on the ways that God is showing up for us? The things that we've been asking him and, and, and needing to know and wondering, is it possible that we're missing out on these things because we just have so much noise around us? We do, we just live in a noisy world. I mean, the good thing is it's a little bit rural here. You can probably get out somewhere and have a little quiet, but even if you're in a quiet space, there's a lot of noise going on up here. There's a great quote from Ruth Haley Barton that I want to read to you. It says, the invitation to solitude and silence is an invitation to enter more deeply into the intimacy of a relationship with the one who waits just outside the noise and busyness of our lives. It is an invitation to communication and communion with the one who is always present, even when our awareness has been dulled by distraction. Wow. God is waiting for us just outside the noise and the busyness of our lives. And we sometimes haven't made the priority like Jesus to get just outside of there long enough to be able to hear from him. Just all the distraction and the busyness, it dulls our senses where we just don't even know that we need to be hearing from him anymore. Anybody in that place with me understand what I'm saying? Just that dullness in our minds, that noise that's just so prevalent that we, we don't even recognize how to get free of it to even hear from God. Well, that's what Jesus did. He prioritized time with God, even though he lived in a noisy world, and even though, our third point today, he faced constant distractions. Constant distractions. He knows what you face, friends. He understands distraction. It said in verse 33 that people recognized them and saw them leaving, and from many towns they ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. I, I'm picturing those old... Um, I've seen tapes of like when the Beatles came to town and people were like losing their minds or Justin Bieber or something like that, just losing their minds, like running down the street, craw you know, crawling on top of tech. I'm kind of imagining that kind of wildness. People are just trying to get to Jesus. They want to just hear a word from him. They want to be healed. They want to be changed. And that's awesome. But it was for him in that moment, it was a distraction from what he really wanted to do. He wanted to get away to that quiet place and, and live out what it says here. Um, what he wanted to live out the idea of the silence and solitude that we're talking about. I, I think we all could admit, especially after December, we're all a little weary. Anybody a little weary, a little, a little tired? And we have this invitation from God to enter into a place outside of weariness, outside of the noise and the distraction of life, but it, it takes some effort. I, I was really kind of, it broke my heart, the scripture in Isaiah 28 where it says, God has told a people, here is a place of rest. Let the weary rest here. This is a place of quiet rest, but they would not listen. Oh, isn't that painful? Here he's saying three different times in three different ways, I have a place of rest for you. Are you weary? I, I have a place for you, but they weren't listening. Is that us? Are we not listening to the invitation to come outside of the craziness of life, the noise and the distraction? We, we honestly think we're supposed to live life like this. 
We're supposed to always be moving and doing and listening and ah, all the things. But then we get to church on a Sunday and we wonder why can't I even pay attention to a 25 minute sermon? Why am I so distracted? And honestly, there's, there's no one-time fix. There's, there's nothing, I mean, I'm gonna give you some things today. We're gonna talk about practical things at the end, but it really is a part of a lifestyle that you do your whole life long, over and over and over again, giving God some of our time in silence and solitude, breaking away from the norm once a week for Sabbath, all these things, every, having a lifestyle of prayer and communion with him, making time for gathering together in church. These are the things that we do over a lifetime to build the life that we want. It's not a one-time fix. I'm not gonna fix your, your squirrel brain today, but I'm just offering you some, some practices to maybe get you to the place where you're opening yourselves up a little bit to the idea of spending time with your father without the noise and the distractions all around. Okay, I'm, really, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take it a step further. I'm really gonna step on your toes now. I don't know if you're ready for this. I feel like you can do it. Okay. I feel like, and, this, and if you disagree with me, we can still love each other, but I feel like the word, word actually tells us that it's sinful when we don't take control of our thoughts, of our mind. It says in Romans chapter eight, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So what I'm seeing here is if we allow the Holy Spirit to control our minds, what are the last words there? We have life and peace. That is the correct answer. So anytime our minds are not life-giving or peaceful, I want to put it to you that we are being dominated by sin. And you're here in church and I don't think you want to be dominated by sin. I think you want to allow the Holy Spirit to control your mind, to be a part of your life and peace mind. But if we live our lives in the noise and the distraction without prioritizing time with God, we're going to struggle to keep our minds peaceful and tuned in to him. Because really, noise is just anti-silence. Distraction is just anti-solitude. So if we want to get outside of noise and distraction and prioritize time with God, we're going to have to make silence and solitude a part of that. It's what Jesus did and what he's calling us to do as well. So our fourth point today is that Jesus encountered God through silence and solitude. And the same invitation is here for us today. And it started in verse 45. Look at these words. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat. And he said goodbye to everybody. And at this point, he said, I don't even want to hang out with you guys. I need to go off by myself too. I need a break. Everybody needs to get away and have some quiet and some silence and some solitude. It was no longer just a want. Hey guys, I want to get away to a quiet place with you. You can tell by these words, it has become a need. 
Jesus was about to live out these words in Psalm 62. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. Friends, life without God is shaky and it's uncertain, but when we prioritize that time with him, that's what Jesus was doing is recognizing that our hope is in him. Our hope is not in ourselves and our own ability and our own hands and our own work and all the things that we do throughout the day. He is our rock. We're not our own salvation. He is our salvation. He is our protection in a world that's gone crazy. But that's what time alone with the Father helps us to remember. It's an encounter with God when we give ourselves to silence and solitude. I love this quote from Dallas Willard here. When we go into solitude and silence, we stop making demands on God. It is enough that God is God and we are his. We're not going into this time saying, okay, God, here's my prayer request list. Here's the things I need from you to do today. What I'm talking about silence and solitude is actually taking some silence where we're not even asking him for anything. We're just being with him. And that is hard for us. Even for those of us who like a quiet time, usually we go into it, you know, we're, we're studying the word and we have our prayer lists and we're doing all these things and amen. And that's fine. It really is good. And that is, is a type of prayer where you're engaging your, your mind and your reason and your intellect and you're talking to God. But I'm talking about a type of prayer where you're emptying yourself of all of that. You're not thinking about anything. You're not asking for anything. You're simply being with God and allowing him, as Dallas said, that recognition that he is who he is and we are his. It enables you to stop relying on yourself and your brain. Maybe it sounds a little weird, but how can you ever hear from God if you're only talking? Have you ever had one of those people where you're trying to get a word in edgewise and there's a very long story and there's a lot of words and you really would love to say something, but they never take a breath? Anybody ever? Maybe you are that person if you've never encountered that. <laughs> that, that might be us with God. And God's like, I, well, okay, I had, nope, all right, I guess. Talk away, son, daughter. There is a place and a time for the type of prayer where we are pouring our heart out to him and we do have requests of him, but there also is a place and a time for silence where we're just being with our father like a baby that's been fed and burped and just kind of hanging out on your, your shoulder, right? There's like, that's just the calm of being with your father. There's actually a psychological study out of Stanford University on meditation. This is not a Christian study. This is just a university study. They found that 15 to 20 minutes a day of meditation for two to three months actually changed people's brains so that they, they had more ability to focus and it reduced their anxiety and depression. God is offering you something that will benefit you spirit, soul, and body emotionally, physically, and spiritually, giving him some time in silence and solitude will make changes in your life. So let me give you a couple practical ways. I have three things I want to tell you practically. First, silence and solitude is a daily practice. You're probably not going to like this. I'm sorry. A daily practice. Silence and solitude takes sacrifice 
And silence and solitude take intention. So let me tell you what I mean by this. Now, you know, if you just do it once a week or you just do it once a month, that's fine. I'm just saying, if you truly want to offer this to God and have it start making these changes in your life, even the Stanford study said, the daily practice of having some silent time with God is going to be where the transformation is going to happen. And I, I recognize the sacrifice is greater for some than others. Like I said, some of you have your little dictators in your house who tell you where you go and what time you can eat and sleep and all the things, right? I understand. <clears throat> but we all, I mean, I don't have anyone in my house but my husband, and I can still not make time for silence and solitude. I mean, he goes, I have like a whole hour to myself this morning, and did I sit silently? No. I was getting ready to preach this message, and I still did not. No, no, I did not. We can all make choices with our time. So the sacrifice might be greater for you, but seasons come and seasons go, as all of us in this room can tell you. And if you don't start to make a habit and a priority and a lifestyle of this, there never will come a perfect time in your life. So it might mean getting up before anyone else in the house. I don't know, five, six. It might mean staying up a little later. It might mean giving some of your lunchtime to sit in your car might mean going for a walk on Pathfinder and, or maybe trading out carpooling duties with someone so you can have a little time alone. I don't know what this means for you, and it probably is going to mean for all of us some form of sacrifice, doing something different. And it doesn't just happen. It takes intention. I literally have it on my calendar. I have a reminder that comes up for me to do this because otherwise the day comes and the day goes, right? I don't know where it goes. Do you guys know where your day? I don't know. But if you have intention, if you sacrifice that time, I promise you, God will meet you there. Okay, I have a few more practical things that I want to share with you. Some more practical steps to encounter God through silence and solitude. Set a time and a place. Like I said, I have it on my schedule. It doesn't just happen. So whether it's first thing in the morning, last thing at night, on your lunch break, whatever it is, I'm going to set a time. I'm going to get up and I'm going to sit on my couch or I'm going to get in my car or where, I'm going to go to the bathroom and you know, lock the door and not let the kids in. Whatever it is, that is your time and your place. When I say set a goal, I don't mean set a goal in the sense that you're looking to accomplish something. God is in control of this time. You don't set the outcome. You may walk away feeling like nothing really happened. Trust me, God is doing a work in you, but there's no goal to accomplish other than I'm going to spend some time with God. What I mean by goal is you might want to say, I would really love to work up to 30 minutes of being quiet before God. I know someone, I, someone just passed out. Oh my gosh, that's so much time, right? I don't know. Start with five minutes and see, but whatever your goal is that I want to spend X amount of time, maybe it's I want to do it once a week and then build up to every day. I don't know. Set a goal because you really won't ever accomplish something if you don't know what you're headed towards. And then choose a word or phrase to refocus when you get distracted. Okay, this is a very real place. In a time of silence and solitude, when I'm sitting by myself, it takes about 30 seconds and I'm thinking about something else. And then I'm thinking about something. You know what I mean? When your mind is squirrel brain, is what I call it. It's all over the place. It's okay. You're not broken. Um, our minds are actually supposed to be looking for danger and remembering things. And this, our, it's the job of our brain is to be doing all these things. So don't get mad at your brain. We're just retraining it, that it's okay. You can take a little time off for five minutes. I, I, God's got this under control. And so to have a word or a phrase, something 
you would just say simply Jesus or I love you, Lord, or this time is yours. Whatever it is, to just bring your mind back into focus again and just sit quietly with God. You're not trying to accomplish anything other than being with your father. I mean, to offer him five minutes of your day, is that too much? To give him the time to build something in you. And then close your time with gratitude. I just, I don't want us to, to rush off to the next thing. Okay, quiet time, over, accomplished. Just take a minute, thank God for the opportunity to do this with him. Maybe read a psalm, do, do something just to kind of ease you back into the world. And don't judge yourself. You know, we're all on this journey with God. Don't, oh, I did a bad job. I did a good job. Whatever. You, you, you did it. You have spent that time with the Father, and there's no judgment in good or bad or accomplishment. It's just being with him. I put a couple of resources for you at the bottom of the app. One of them is a centering prayer. Um, you can also look it up. It, it helps you. It's something that I use because... Uh, halfway through, I'm like, is that time? Is it enough? What's happening? And this it starts and ends, and you can pick the sound. I like singing bowl number two, whatever, whatever you like. And it gets me started, and then it tells me when my time is done. Um, it uh, gives you a little uh, prayer uh, to read at the beginning or maybe a scripture at the end. It's kind of nice. I, I like it. Um, I was trying to do three minutes, and it was a disaster. I never could focus on anything and I, Lance mentioned something offhand about 10 minutes being easier than three. I tried it. He was right. I don't know what it is. I think the three minutes was enough time for my squirrel brain to calm down. And then for the rest of it, I was able to kind of settle into the silence a little more. So I'm just going to throw that out to you as well. That might help a little bit. But you can set anything from one minute to 99 minutes, which is weird on that app. Um, and then there's also something from John Mark Comer and Practicing the Way, a four-session on silence and solitude. If you want to take this a little deeper and learn a little more, that would be a really great way to do that. That's, uh, there's a link to that on the app as well. But I just want to end our time together just praying and, and giving you a chance to uh, take a moment with the Father as well. So if you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes bow your heads. God, we are just so thankful for this time with you. We are so thankful for the invitation to spend time with you. And I just thank you that you are building that desire in our heart. Even today, Holy Spirit, you are leading us and, and giving us creative ways to make this a possibility in our schedule today. We just thank you for moving in each and every one of our hearts on on the desire to spend more time with you. God, we love you. We are thankful for you. We want to, to serve you, God. We just thank you for helping us to learn more about these different practices and living a life different from the one that's around us.